Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Culture. Welcome to A New Winter, Cults and Culture. And on today's episode, we're going to be discussing the 2019 film by Robert Eggers called The Lighthouse. In case you guys didn't know, Robert Eggers did uh, The Witch, The Vavitch, um, which was one of my uh, favourite films from the last decade. And to be honest, after seeing this film, uh, this would... I don't know if it'd make top 10, but it would definitely be very high. Um, so I'm going to give just a brief review of it to begin with. And then I'll go into a little bit about explaining it and the ending and kind of a little bit more on what, in, what went on behind it. So for those that don't know, it stars Robert Patterson and uh, William Defoe, and they are basically working in a lighthouse um, on an island, obviously a little rocky island, and they have to stay there for, I think it's four weeks, and maintain the lighthouse itself. Um, so that seems fair enough. Uh, when they get there, uh, Robert Pattinson is in charge of basically all like the dog's body work, um, shoveling coal, uh, cleaning stuff, and all this, whilst Willem Dafoe kind of just basically looks after the light. As time goes on, we start seeing that William Defoe is a little bit obsessed with the light. Um, he's like naked up there. He's getting something from it, obviously. And Robert Pattinson is um, kind of having a bit of trouble doing the actual um, work uh, around the actual lighthouse. So tensions start brewing and um, Robert Pattinson's kind of having these visions um, and all this stuff, weird stuff starts going on and basically it becomes like a pressure cooker, um, between the two characters as they <laughs> laugh 
and uh, love <laughs> and hate um, between the two. And it's all it all kind of culminates into um, a variety of different showdowns. I mean, the director himself said that there's very little in the way of plot. It's essentially the same scenes again and again, but a bit different. And that's that's kind of true um, because it's all about r- really ranking up that tension until the final uh, final scene. So, in a nutshell, that's what it uh, that's what it's about. It's filmed in I think it's one nineteen to one aspect ratio so almost square uh the reason for it is essentially because um not only is it to give it and it's it's in black and white it's not only to give it this kind of old school kind of look but also um because it's to do with a lighthouse so it's more about length than width if that makes sense and i believe it was filmed on like some old lenses old film stock and it definitely feels like it's um a film from really the silent era um people said it's a bit german expressionism y- yeah you can see like there's a bit of fritz lang and all that stuff in there i think the director himself said that you know there's a bit of fritz lang in there but he's not necessarily done that on purpose it's kind of black and white just to give it a sense of the past and also i think it's probably a tonal thing and yeah again as i said putting in a lighthouse and it's more about um it's less about having it like widescreen basically more about the length that's what she said and uh and that's actually appropriate to this <laughs> to this film um essentially really it's a uh, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens um it combines myths and ideas and it's very dreamlike uh, you you wonder who is crazy you've got an unreliable narrator um it's it can be a bit scary at points but not really it's more um the horror of of being stuck there with someone and you know who's who's going mad who and who um very well shot uh very bergman as well it's some of the shots just look incredible like their pictures literally the cinematography is just amazing some of the stuff um just sticks in my brain and it's very much you can tell like it's been meticulously planned and uh the pacing is really good the sound is amazing you'll hear a lot of just generally so there's this kind of like i don't even know really what it is it's like kind of like alarm thing that goes off every now and then that's annoying um and that's like right at the beginning but it tends to be other sounds start piling up on it as the film goes through which is kind of the point so soon it becomes obviously like the waves crashing and all this and the wind howling. And then you start getting these weird like whale sounds, like underwater kind of sounds that are in the background. And it's all these like layers of different sounds as it mounts up, mounts up, mounts up the pressure. Um, the lighting is obviously great. The black and white thing just works so well. Production design is brilliant. Um, a bit like The Witch, uh, the dialogue um, is old ye kind of talk. Um, I was reading an interview and because uh, I was, when I was listening to it, I was like, I don't really understand what dialect this is, but apparently they worked really hard to get it accurate. So sometimes it sounds American. Sometimes it sounds Irish, especially Robert Pattinson's ca- uh, character. And that's on purpose because basically they've, they did a lot of studying on how things were said phonetically by people um, at sea and people who were also uh, lumberjacks, which is what um, Robert Pattinson's character did before took on this job and how they would talk. Um, and essentially it's a little bit like West Country. Uh, I don't think it particularly sounds like West Country. I do kind of think it sounds a little bit um, Irish and American. Um, but apparently that's, you know, that's accurate. So uh, that was interesting. Um, I loved all the weird horror kind of surreal imagery behind it. Um, it's a very sexual movie in a really weird way. There's like homoeroticism in it um you know but not it's not necessarily a film about homosexuality or anything like that but there are elements of you know sexual frustration amongst other kind of frustration in there and the power plays between the two and stuff like that um so yeah there's many layers which i'll come on to later in the episode that are kind of going on it also um, apart from looking and sounding great and having great production design, being really well directed, um, it's it's also strangely uh, very entertaining in that. But in the way that 
which was fairly slow, but dealt with the horror really. There was always this underlying sense of horror. With this, um, I would probably say I, as much as I did enjoy it, I didn't enjoy it as much as The Witch because even though the pacing was better and I felt like, even though it's you know, still two hours long, but I was kind of always waiting for what's next. And even though the, you know, you're watching someone laboriously, you know, <laughs> look after an island, like it's not particularly fun to watch, but there's a sense of dread, but not a sense of horror. So where I like The Witch uh, better, I would say, and it's nothing against The Lighthouse, it's just a different film. The Witch, I was watching it with a sense of dread in a, in a horror kind of supernatural sense, and that's something I don't understand. There's an element of this within that, but it's more about the tension between the two characters. And one of its um, benefits and one of its curses is, is that it swings from one to the other. So because you're not really um, sure what's happening and what's real and what's going on, um, there is a sense of unease, but there's also a sense of unreliability. So you've got nothing you can kind of hold on to and stick with and base your feelings around. So because you're in this sense, this constant state of flux, um, it doesn't quite have the weight that maybe the witch has. Um, but again, that's kind of part of the story. So as I said, it's a, it's a kind of a curse in the sense that that's what you're going for. And that's just the, that's the fallout. Um, but also, you know, I like that type of movies, even though I enjoyed the witch more. Um, I mean, I would say like the lighthouse is, uh, probably a better made movie. Um, and it's definitely very intriguing. Um, and it feels like a play really. Um, but the witch, I would watch it again and again, more so than I would watch the lighthouse to watch the lighthouse again is like reading a very clever book. Um, which is fine, but I sometimes find that harder work. Um, and I don't think Lighthouse is particularly hard work. It's just that for me, it's just a little bit um, not quite as entertaining as The Witch. And part of that comes from the fact that, um, yeah, The Witch works in the way that it's directed because it's a slow burn horror thing and the horror is kind of all over everything. Whereas with this, you're kind of just, yeah, it's kind of like just a load of hallucinations and things like that and what's real and what isn't real. But there's no sense of like impending doom or like, you know, something on the verges that's going to like attack um, apart from each other. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of my review. Um, I think it's a really decent film and you should definitely go check it out. And I would recommend watching the film before you actually listen to this podcast. Uh, it doesn't really make a difference if you're... If you're um, not, uh, you, you know, I could say all this stuff and you can go away and watch it and think something completely different. Um, again, there's not really, as, as Robert Eggers said, there's, there's a plot, but not really. So you can listen to this episode and go away and watch it a year later. Um, and I'm not really spoiling anything for you, um, that much because, uh, yeah, you can kind of guess where things are going to go and what's happening. Um, and the point is that nothing ever, it seems to be real. Um, so yeah, everything you're kind of taking with a pinch of salt. So let's get down to it. So from here on end, uh, there's going to be spoilers. So I'm going to talk about the kind of superficial plot, you know, what you see basically. And then I'll kind of go into it a little bit on what that might mean. So it takes place in what I believe is the late 19th century. And we have, uh, I think it's Ephraim Winslow. Um, so Winslow, I'm going to call him from here on out, which is Robert Panson. And he is turning up um, and he's got a job as a wiki, which always made me laugh during the film because I thought it's like, like a wookie, like Star Wars. Um, he's going to work four weeks on this lighthouse in New England uh, with this guy called Thomas Wake. So Winslow is Patterson, Wake is Defoe, as I'm going to go on from here. Um and then basically as soon as they get there, he's kind of walking around and it gives you a lay of the land a little bit. And it's literally just like a lighthouse, um, which was purpose built by the way, for this film. Um, and then like a couple of smaller buildings, it looks like. Um, and yeah, I think that's this where the siren sound is coming from this big horn kind of coming out the side. So I guess like if it's fog or whatever, if it's really bad, ships can hear 
the lighthouse, I guess. And as he's walking around um, Winslow, he sits on his bed, he notices a hole. And in the hole is this mermaid statue thing. Um, And he's like, oh, right, hello. And so first off, the fact that he's got this little hole, um, at first I was like, oh, God, is it like so you can fuck the mattress? And maybe it is, maybe it is still. Um, But yeah, it's like, oh, okay, he finds this like mermaid. He's like, oh, yeah, this is is nice. Um, And apparently I read somewhere that he has a black eye in this. I didn't notice it, um, but as in there might have been some altercation between the two on the boat coming over. Maybe, uh, or maybe this is what um, happened from the uh, past history we're about to find out by the end of the film. Um, this is the remnants of that, maybe, or maybe he's just a troublemaker. But I didn't notice a black eye, but apparently. So, yeah, told that they're going to work there for four weeks. And we basically, we're told that um, Winslow's going to be doing all, yeah, as I said, all the dog's body work. And William Defoe is basically going to look after the light. And um, so anyway, immediately we pretty much see William Defoe's character up there in the light, naked. So we've kind of got this sexual thing going on already. And, and yeah, so, I mean, if you think about it, the lighthouse itself is a phallic symbol. Um, later on, they refer to it as she as well. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, like a cock, like an erect penis. Um, the end is like the sensitive bit, right? That's where all the action, <laughs> yeah, that's where it all happens, right? It all builds up, doesn't it? To like, you know, to shoot out <laughs> its sperm. But that um, feels like that's where uh, the release of pent up frustration is, would be at the end of the penis. So in this point, it's the top of the lighthouse. Um, again, I'm kind of bringing in my own ideas into this. So, you know, take it as you will. Anyway, um, I won't go, I'll get into that properly later. So anyway, Winslow, um, he, he's basically, as he's kind of looking around, there's certain different things that happen. So he's like, he's fixing a roof and then he looks down and he sees, I guess it's William Defoe like fucking the bed or something like that. And he's got his ass out. Um, so it's kind of like, oh, he's kind of getting like a voyeuristic thrill out of it. So immediately there's a bit like, okay, it's a bit weird. Um, but maybe it's just the fact that he's, you know, just kind of watching what he's doing. But there's a bit of a voyeuristic nature to this, um, which was, you know, interesting. And um, yeah, so as he's kind of pushing the coal about, we see a seagull with uh, its eye missing standing in the way of this um, house. And anyway, he tries to like shoo it away. And there's always this thing where they're kind of always like watching each other. So as he's trying to do it, he looks up and like staring up from the top of the lighthouse is William Defoe. Um, and yeah, you just see him, him like it's, it's, that shot is held. So it makes it feel like awkward. Um, so there's this idea that, you know, Pattinson's being judged from like the lookout tower basically. Um, and he's getting a bit, annoyed by doing all this work but William Defoe keeps having a go at him that he's doing the jobs wrong he's not doing them well enough he doesn't know what he's doing and he's getting like really super annoyed about it and Robert Pattinson is like look dude I'm trying <laughs> like stop it um they eat together in the evenings William Defoe puts on a meal and he tries to get him there's booze around and uh he tries to get him to drink and Robert Pattinson's like no thank you um first thing that my head jumped to was that it's like there's an element here, maybe he's an alcoholic. And then, and you could say that the whole film is an allegory for the alcoholism as well, by the way, but um, could say that he's an alcoholic, but he's like, turns it down, tries to get some of the water, but that's not clean. Um, and so, yeah, so they have a bit of a laugh about it. But they do, William Defoe has this little um, uh, like chant, you know what I mean, whatever, um, prayer or something uh, before they eat and they cheers it and all this. So... Yeah, William Defoe's basically trying to get him to drink. And he says at one point, like, um, this is why, like, sailors drink all the time, because when they're at sea, um, you don't want them going mad. You don't want them going crazy. You don't want them to feel like they're having too much time on their hands. So the best way to do it is to drink through it, as if that kind of staves off the madness. But as we see, that's not 
necessarily the case. It might be fuel for the fire or maybe it, or maybe for William Defoe it works. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but again, there's this kind of like interplay um, between the two. You feel like they're not really particularly getting on um, and it's just the two of them. But, you know, very, the first two weeks seem to happen like quite quickly. Um Robert Pattinson is kind of like wanting to go up into the light. There's one bit where he goes up and he sees um, William Defoe is like standing above him. He can't quite see properly. And then he steps back and basically, well, I presumed it was semen, come basically drips down. And then he looks back up and then it's all like tentacles. And then you're like, what the hell is happening? So, and then there's all these like jump cuts. So then it will go back to like something normal. So you're like, wait, did that just actually happen? Or did it not? Um, but there's definitely like this weird sexual thing to do with the light that's coming from the lighthouse itself. And also you start questioning what's real. Like Robert Pattinson, um, he starts uh, masturbating um, over the little statue of the mermaid. Um, and then mermaids, he has like the first kind of real dream sequence um, when it's dark and the light's on, he goes out for a walk and he sees all these logs start appear. I didn't know what they were at first. And then there's like someone drowning in them. And then he kind of like, is starting, he's like going in and he can't seem to stop himself. And then he's drowning too. And then you see like a mermaid at the bottom. So there's this weird thing um, that obviously the sea being death, the mermaid being like sex essentially, but um, there's an element of like sex and death always being like closely linked right throughout time. And the other thing about like mermaids as a as a creature itself is that um, you know that you even though they've got the top half of a woman or whatever and it's all very sexy usually they're um, you know you don't see any like genitalia bits like there's so for me I was it was like I was thinking it's kind of like the epitome for like sexual um, frustration as well. Um, because, you know, you, you can't have sex with it. It's just looking only. Uh, they, that kind of gets <laughs> put to one side later on. Um, but they, you know, mermaids kind of represent um, uh, seduction, danger, and also they're, like, known for, like, luring sailors into the sea, right? Um, so, the, yeah, there's that kind of works in a bit later as well. They're, again, to do with, like, the homoeroticism surrounding it um and it's almost as if because he's kind of getting by the end of it he gets all these he's getting his um fantasies with the mermaids and the mermaid statue mixed up with the murder of this guy if it is a murder he says it's an accident but we presume it's actually a murder um and almost like is he, he's getting a sexual kick out of it or it's like the sea trying to lure him in um it's all it's all quite interesting. It's all very 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 closely linked, um, and there's not you know mermaids can also like represent uh, magic as well. And there's a sense of magic to the lighthouse and the light itself. Um, I was reading somewhere about how maybe it's like a gateway to another world or something like that. All that stuff is is fairly interesting. So, but yeah, at this point, um, things are starting off quite quite slowly. Uh, you're starting to realise that maybe Pattinson is having some mental issues. Um, and uh, yeah, there's all these kind of hallucinations or whatever like coming up. So anyway, we find out that um, uh, William Defoe says like, oh, um, I saw you in that seagull, you know, best to leave it alone. Best to leave it alone, he says. Um, you know, killing a seagull is bad luck or whatever. So two things in this, um, you find out later why he might want that particular seagull to be left alone as well, um, which we'll find out. And secondly, um, this kind of like bad omen thing plays a part later. So he's kind of warned him and the audience, like just don't touch the seagull basically. Um, so yeah, there's one, they have a bit later where they're painting a lighthouse, um, literally whitewashing it. And, uh, he falls, Robert Pattinson falls and hurts himself. And the seagull is pecking away at his knee. It doesn't seem to shoo. It's pecking, pecking, pecking away. And it's like, you know, get off. Um, and it flies away. 
but this, the seagull keeps turning up. It was knocking at the window at one point and then he went off and had a wank. Um, so yeah, the seagull with one eye is just like everywhere. And he's, and um, yeah, so William Defoe's like, yeah, leave the seagulls alone. It's the souls of dead sailors and all this. Okay, cool. So now we've got this kind of like, you know, supernatural element kind of associated with these seagulls. So later on, um, he goes to get something to drink and uh, he sees that, um, I think they're about two weeks in now, maybe this at this point, and there's loads of dead seagulls, like, in the thing where they get their drinking water from. So he's like, what the fuck? Um, and anyway, above it comes the one-eyed seagull, right? And it's like, it kind of attacks him a little bit. So he grabs it and he fucking smashes the shit out of the seagull. Um, literally, like this scene i was like fucking hell like it's crazy so he's released all this anger all this frustration on the seagull um and then we do a nice sweeping shot where it gets to the top you go well we go sideways to the tower and then all the way up so it doesn't go like diagonally it goes across and then up um which is a cool shot and it also like represents like the like the length the power almost of um as if like that soul has come across and now it's being risen up to the sky um, via the lighthouse to the top and the wind starts to change and it's like shing, it goes automatically to the north and it stays there they're like oh there's a storm coming it's a big storm and um they're talking about how uh, they've only got like a day left or whatever they're getting picked up in the morning um so let's batter up the you know things let's hold out and we'll wait and we'll get off this island so uh yeah so they um get drunk basically. And this is where like you start seeing them um, having fun basically with a bit, with a bit with each other and being a bit more looser. Um, and yeah, there's like times like where, I mean, like, for me that the different scenes of them getting drunk together have kind of mixed into one a little bit, but you feel like they're getting on a bit more now, you know, it's so their last night where for this big hurrah, and then the next morning, you know, I wasn't sure, I'm still not sure if it's, um, they've missed it because they were hungover. They've missed the boat that was supposed to pick them up or if it never came because of the storm. But either way, it feels that um, they're basically stranded and he's like, oh, we're going to have to like, you know, see out this storm. And um, then later on, the guy, uh, William Defoe's like, oh, the rations, the food's tainted or something. So we got to start rationing and he, they find more booze, for instance, at one point. Um, and so they're like, oh, okay, so now this is where things start going, um, a bit topsy turvy. I should also mention around this point, this is when, when Robert Pattinson <laughs> covered in shit, basically throwing out the, uh, throwing out the shit pot and, um, yeah, it kind of blows back in his face a little bit, but yeah, he comes across a, uh, body that's kind of washed up. And then we realize like it's a mermaid and it starts like laughing. So Again, it's weird. There's maybe this fear of women, not fear of of woman, um, happening here, and the, you know the idea that um, it's like you know men's greatest fear being belittled by women or whatever. It might be an element of that going on. It's also a little bit scary because obviously he's been masturbating over a picture of a bloody statue of a mermaid and now that one's here and it's like it's taunting him even further um so that frustration and that sexual frustration as well is kind of building up um so the storm gets worse and worse the two men are starting to get kind of like closer and closer Winslow is getting a bit more obsessed with uh, the lighthouse he tries to steal the key um off wake and even has a knife and he looks like he's gonna kill him for it but uh yeah wake did i say yeah wait but wake turns up uh wakes up wake wakes up um and he's like you know i'll go back and he like farts as well and the idea with the farting is that you know robert eggers was saying that it's to kind of like relieve uh the tension literally but also i think um it's a way of it's a meaning of disrespect as well that you know think so little that he's just farting and all this stuff everywhere um it just shows how little he thinks of like our pats um so then we have this kind of uh sequence where he is robert pattinson's i've got to get it straight in my head as well he's masturbating 
over the mermaid thing, he's also getting flashbacks of this guy being killed, who, you know, we find a bit more about, um, more out about later. But also it's getting mixed up with him pulling this lobster trap up and um, finding a head in there. Importantly, the head has only got one eye. So I guess we're to assume that the seagull is the person whose his head belongs to, who we later find out is the previous um, wick, the second in command, um, that William Defoe told us has uh, gone mad, basically went mad and, well, died. Um, and hence Robert Pattinson being asked to, to come in. So there's a little bit of ambiguity there about like how he died, but the fact that it's like, they're like, oh, you know, this has happened before, basically. I thought that was um, quite interesting. And yeah, the eye thing was interesting as well. They get drunk together again, and Winslow um, tells Wake that uh, actually that's not his name. His name is Thomas Howard, and he basically took on the identity of Winslow um, when he was uh, chopping down trees or whatever in the forest um, up north. And it sounds he was like, oh, I didn't kill him or whatever, but it sounds as if he did, or he let him die at the very least. He didn't do anything and decided to take on his identity and start with a clean sleigh. Um, now, I can't remember if it's here, if it's earlier, but they have an argument about um, the cooking. And Robert Pattinson is like, I've had a steak, I'd fuck a steak. And William Defoe's like, well, what's wrong with my cooking? And he's like, oh, you know, whatever. And it's the same shit every time, whatever. William Defoe gives this, like, harsh, like, curse monologue uh, to um, Pattinson. Um, basically saying that uh, you're going to be um, one with the sea, essentially, but through this, through the as horrible means possible, it's going to be like you're in. You're going to be bloated. Your insides are going to be spilling out, and the souls of um, other uh, sailors will be feasting on your flesh, and and all this stuff. And then there's a bit ends with a bit of humor. It's like okay, okay, I like your cooking, whatever. Um, and I quite enjoyed that levity, that tonal difference, which is obviously there on purpose, not to make it too, 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 too serious um, and too art house. It's still like trying to uh, generate some kind of appeal, but still be um, taken seriously. Um, and yeah, so I, I think this happens around here, um, but it does happen. So, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Anyway, when, when he tells him about, um, starts telling him about uh, taking on this, I tell you, this guy, William Defoe's like, um, I don't want to know. Like, don't tell me, don't spill your beans. Like, I don't want to know about it. Um, and it's also like around this time, um, they like are dancing and they almost kiss and then it turns into like a proper fight. Um, again, sex and violence kind of mixed in together a little bit there and frustrations, um, but that was quite interesting. And yeah, so 
there's an, there's a bit where during this bit where it's like you you hear a voice of William Defoe going, you know, I told you, don't spill your beans. It seems to be coming from the top of the lighthouse. And anyway, he goes up and when he gets to the top, there's someone, and I think his legs are bound. Um, and I'm, there's an element where it's like, okay, is that, I remember thinking, oh, is this the guy that he's killed? Um, and also like the legs being bound together reminds me of a mermaid so that might be also the reason why the image of a mermaid is getting um, mixed into like the death of this guy but still so anyway um Robert Pattinson like turns him around and it's himself so I guess there's that thing of like identity like who's who he's you know he's Winslow but he's also himself and then anyway someone puts a hand on his shoulder and it's William Defoe naked and then stares down and he stares this like light into his eyes so this was one of the most um impactful but also confusing bits because i was like well, what's really happening here william defy has a tattoo of a ship on his um chest is this like the god of the sea and i'll, I'll come on to that a bit later basically like almost like a god itself um kind of putting judgment into our pats and kind of kind of showing him the truth as it were if that makes sense um is it you know he's kind of uh seducing him into like is it the sea trying to seduce him trying to bring him in mesmerize him a little bit is he giving him a little taste of what's in that light um and you know the fact that he's naked makes me think you know there's obviously this sexual thing again that's going on that's going on here is he trying to yeah is he trying to seduce him literally physically um so that whole thing's interesting, but then we kind of cut and uh, our Pats is running to, <laughs> I should say that, Winslow is running to get the little boat out. And um, yeah, and then William Defoe comes up with an axe and starts trying to chop it up and then uh, Winslow runs off and um, Wake starts chasing him and they get back in and, and Wake like puts an axe into the table and then he's like, you're mad, you're mad. You just chased me with an axe. And it's like, okay, because we just saw you chase him with an axe. So again, we're like, well, who are we believing here? We're presented with the image of William Defoe chasing Robert Pattinson with the axe, but then we're told it's different. So there's an element here of like gaslighting, which is a very modern term, I feel like these days, but essentially we're, you know, trying to, he's trying to talk to him like he's the one going crazy. Um when the reality is quite different and then he basically goes to town a little bit on him and he's like you know you're mad you're crazy give me a knife we're gonna get get rid of that you know how long have we been here has it been weeks is it days like you tell me um and he's like pushing him pushing him pushing him um and yeah so it's the whole thing's quite um quite surreal now by this point so now they find that they've basically drunk all the booze. They start mixing, I think it's like the fuel for the lamp uh, with what I deem to be honey. And they start um, drinking that and getting drunk, which is obviously not good, <laughs> I imagine, for you. Um, so we. it seems to be that um, Robin Pattinson is now a full-blown alcoholic, like they're drinking all the time now. <clears throat> and he, he's, he smashes the mermaid at one point. This might have come earlier, dude. I do apologise, it it's all kind of a bit mashed up in my brain. Um, and yeah, he tries to like stabbing it. Um, so yeah, I think this was before because he got the knife taken. And again, I think that was an act of penetration and almost impotence because he can't, he can't penetrate it because it's made of clay, like literally. But also the idea that he, he literally can't have sex with it either, can he? Um, yeah, so anyway, sorry, that was a little bit of a, little bit of a tangent, just something I, was, I thought was happening around here, but I think it was earlier. So they get drunk again and it goes from... The classic thing which seems to be happening, which is that they love each other, they hate each other, um, and in-betweens, and, you know, they do, like, some dancing, and R. Pats is talking about how um, William Defoe, you know, never was never a captain, he's not on the sea, and, you know, he's nothing, he's a nobody, um, and all this. Um, so, yeah, they seem to j jump from one, one to the other, um, which is all quite interesting. And then... Yeah, basically the storm gets worse. It crashes through 
the building and everything's basically fucked. So as um, uh, as Winslow, I'm still calling him, is walking around, um, and it, I should say that his name is Tommy, and William Defoe's character is Thomas, so they've got the same first name, um, which is important for later. But uh, as he's going around, he finds the, the book that the guy's writing in um, that you know gets sent back, and basically in it he puts. We find out he's putting um, Winslow down in terms of saying that he's shouldn't he should be paid he shouldn't be paid um, he should be fired. He didn't do his work well enough. He was drinking on the job. He was angry, um, you know, violent and all this stuff. And yeah, Winslow's like, what the fuck, man? Like, seriously, gets really fucking annoyed. Um, and now we're kind of like, this is where it's, it starts like kicking off, uh, kicking off properly. And um, he's like, look, I just want to, he's like, look, forget about everything. Like, forgive and forget. I just want to go up to the top of the lighthouse. Like, that's it. Like, just let, let me do that um, and it'll be fine. So instead, um, Wake kicks off and he's like, no, basically. Um, and so, yeah, so he gets attacked um, by, uh, well, Winslow now, Howard, or whatever we want to call him. And as he's doing, as he's like on top of him, um, we're getting visions of um, um, him fucking a mermaid. And this mermaid has like a massive vagina now um, and he's having sex with it. And then um, also I think we're still getting flashes of the murder. So again, that's all getting mixed in. Um, And then uh, William Dafoe, he starts killing William Dafoe and he's like punching him and stuff. Um, But during this time he's getting visions of the, of that being the mermaid. Um, And then William Dafoe as like this kind of God of the sea with like tentacles and stuff and laughing and whatever, like this monstrous kind of being. Um, and yeah, Winslow just punches the shit out of him until I think he says something like, you're killing me or something like that. And then Winslow gets off and uh, looks down and um, he's basically like, woof, <laughs> forever. It's like, I want you to I want you to bark. And um, yeah, basically makes uh, Wake the um, a, a dog, literally makes him act like a dog and starts calling him a dog and like, you know, basically now of the powers in his court, he puts a lead around him takes him outside, gets him in um, where they found the booze, tells him to get in there um, and then starts like shoveling uh, the mud back onto him to bury him alive. Um, meanwhile, like Wake is um, saying words. I couldn't quite make out what he was saying, but chanting some other, um, some other words. And yeah, so he kind of tries to um, bury him alive anyway. And he takes the keys uh, and it goes up to the, um, he starts to go up to the lantern room, but then, yeah, Wake appears from behind him and uh, stabs him in the shoulder with uh, this pickaxe or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, Winslow kind of fights him off, gets the axe and goes through the head of Wake. So Wake is now dead on the floor with a pickaxe or, or an axe or whatever through his head. So yeah, slowly uh, we see him go, we see Winslow now go up to the top of the lighthouse and the lighthouse by its own accord, again, we're not sure what's real, what's not real, stops spinning, a little door opens and then Winslow basically starts, it starts getting like some pleasure from it starts like laughing um yes like orgasmic kind of thing and then the sound kind of distorts it gets turned up like way up um so it's just like this raspy noise um and it's almost like he's screaming now and also like the, the negative changes so um you know when you do like that uh i don't know what they call it, like reverse negative effect that starts creeping in. So now we're kind of going weird, like light is being reversed or sucked out, like maybe something's changing. Um, we don't see what's in the light. We just see uh, Winslow's like reaction to it. Uh, it's quite long. And it reminds me of the end of The Witch as well, when it's like you're seeing the point of view from um, Black Philip, like the devil uh, at the end. And um, yeah, anyway, then it's like, dung, 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 dung. And we see him like fall down the stairs 
um, down this spiral staircase, which is quite cool. And then next shot um, is him uh, lying there. His eyes have seemingly been pecked out or something. And these birds are feasting on the inside of his flesh whilst he's still alive. And that is the final shot of the lighthouse. So it's interesting. What does it all what does it all mean? What does it all mean? So a lot of historical accuracy kind of went into all this. Um, same as with uh, the witch. Robert Eggers is very good at that. And I think he's been very vocal about the fact that um Robert Pattinson's character is supposed to be Prometheus. And uh, whilst as William Defoe's character is supposed to be, I think it's Protus. So Prometheus, if you don't know, basically um, uh, got the knowledge of the gods and gave it to humans, um, including violence as well, I believe, is what one of it was. And his punishment was uh, to have a, a bird, I think it is, peck out his liver uh, every day and every night um, it grows back ready to be done again. So there's this element of um, time, basically, and how um, it's circular. And uh, you can see that with the, the shot before where he's falling down the staircase and it's he's falling backwards so it's like he is reversing time because it's like this loop. Yeah, tumbling down. And so I'm not sure, like there was part of me which is just like, is this um, Robert Pattinson's character, is this Winslow, um, going through the whole thing again in his head, in his head. And this has all just been as he's been laying there, being pecked apart in his own personal hell, which this could be. Um, is it? that uh, Thomas, Tommy, as his, we find out his real name is, and Thomas, William Defoe's character, are they the same person? So essentially there's the um, old version, the young version, and they're just in this kind of loop, like forever. Um, and he's in like his own personal hell again. Um, and it's almost like he falls down um, and maybe breaks his leg or something and he comes back as the old one and then he goes through the whole thing again um maybe um so there's this idea of like time looping on itself um again the fact that a lighthouse light kind of goes round it's stuck you know on this loop and so when it stops at the end it's almost like time stopping for this moment before it starts up again don't know um there's also yeah so then so the Promethean kind of thing and that end shot is very, um, very much, yeah, the Prometheus kind of mythology kind of coming through. Um, there's, what is it, Titan or something? Titian. Um, but, but yeah, like Proteus as well, basically, who the old man is, the, who's the old god of the sea, um, uh, who's like a, what, yeah, literally that, like a wise old man of the sea, another, another god in mythology. Um, apparently that's supposed to be kind of him. Um, as in William Defoe's character. And there's an element here, again, where um, you're not sure if he has killed his second-in-command. It's a bit iffy, isn't it, that the guy apparently went mad and he died. We don't really know how. And then his head gets washed up, if we're supposed to believe that's real. Um, if that happens during a fantasy sequence, so it would infer that maybe it's not real and that head never existed. Um, and again, we're supposed to be constantly questioning ourselves and the reality and who we're siding with as well. So that's, you know, it's just done for a reason. Um, but yeah, so we're not sure if William Defoe is even a threat or not. There is a bit of power play going on. The fact that he's like the old dog that feels like, you know, the sea is a woman, the lighthouse is a woman, and there's this and the big erect dick like sitting there and he wants to be, you know, the power at the, t the top of it. Um, you know, kind of bathing in its like sunlight and its attention and all this. Um, it's definitely that. Whereas, uh, you know, the younger, better looking, keeps going on about how pretty this kid is, um, seeing how pretty Robert Pattinson is, which is obviously like a homoerotic undertone in that as well. 
you know, what's he doing here? Like a good looking kid like you kind of thing. Um, he doesn't want to be usurped by this younger person. So he keeps putting him down, putting him down. Uh, and so there's this, you know, old versus young thing going on. There's this um, fight, basically, like a locking of horns between um, female symbols, uh, male symbols as well, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's interesting at the top of this phallic thing is the light, which is called a she. Um, yeah. Like what is the light? Uh, yeah. If in a literal sense, people have said that it could be like, yeah, gateway to another world. Um, obviously for me, it, it represents more of a symbol. Um, maybe it's the truth, uh, of what it is. The, maybe it's the reality of it all. Um, maybe it's nothing, which is why it's like, it goes from pleasure to, um, you know, horror almost. It becomes like too much. Maybe it's the judgment of the gods. Maybe this is purgatory and it's kind of, you know, when people say, you know, search for the light, you know, go towards the light and this is his exit or whatever to like the afterlife. Um, but I believe it's that kind of, uh, almost that redemption, like that idea, um, of, being bathed in in the light um of god or something like that if you want to go like religious um side of it where it feels like it might cleanse him hence like getting naked in front of it or something uh maybe like atoning for his sins um i think there's an element of that to it uh for sure yeah but also the fact that uh you know when you <laughs> whether he's you know, who is he really? We still don't really know. We don't know whether he has gone mad. Um, we have the flashes of his past with this um, guy who's died. Um, and, you know, good looking young guy as well. It makes me think, is there like a, um, a homosexual thing uh, happening there that ended um, ended badly? Um, you know, maybe. Uh, they don't, again, they don't really discuss this openly or anything like that um the fact that he's yeah masturbating over this woman but he's thinking of a of a man um or he's thinking of a you know essentially a woman woman's body thing of of a, of a fish there's no um you know there's nothing to actually uh, have sex with as far as we know apart from this like gaping vagina that seems to appear in one shot near the end um but also like the old god of the sea, um, William Defoe's character is cursed uh, um, Winslow by saying that, yeah, he's going to have his insides pecked out by old souls of, this, uh, old souls of these um, sailors, which is exactly what happens at the end. So the curse has, uh, has worked. And it's interesting, the seagull thing, because the seagulls are kind of everywhere all the time. And that's why there's an element where this is like an, almost like an ethereal space where... Is this some kind of purgatory or something here? Now, looking back at what happened, I was wondering, is it the sea, is the seagull actually um, trying to help? Like trying to stop him from doing like the chores or like pecking at him or things like that, as if to say like, you know, this guy's dangerous. Is it that um, if this is the same Thomas and he kills the seagull, these he's actually in theory killing his second in command who he felt was annoying him. So if that makes sense. So him, young Robert Pattinson killing like young Thomas, let's say if they are the same person killing the seagull is a reflection or a parallel to William Defoe's character killing his second in command. Cause it, he was just annoying him or something like that. Um, that's one way to look at it. And obviously it invokes this, the storm, um, because it's it's bad luck. And so maybe William Defoe knows this because he's lived it all before, because he's been the young version thereof. Do you know what I mean? So there's an element of like, you know, a circular notion of this. Also, the fact that he purposely tries to get him drunk, um, especially on the time before they're supposed to leave, um, writing all this stuff in the book and whatever. There's an element here where he knows he's got the power but also like he's controlling he's controlling Robert Pattinson. I mean, they have that big shout out where he's like, if I tell you to rebuild this whole thing, you're going to do it. Um, and uh, yeah, so it makes me think, is there an element where he's doing this to kill Winslow anyway? Like he kind of, 
I don't know, it's just something that he does. Um, just likes killing people or something. Uh, you know, he's already got it in his head that he's going to drive this guy mad and then and then kill him and maybe take the money. Don't know, something like that. Maybe. Um, the fact that he's, you know, he digs up the booze. The booze is a very important thing here. Um, he says it's to stop getting mad, but obviously it kind of makes things worse and they run out of that after a while. Um, and maybe that's where most of the visions happen and why they both go absolutely insane is because they're drinking <laughs> that petrol or whatever um, for the most part. So, yeah, there's a lot There's a lot happening um, here underneath the surface. I think the mermaid thing is the seduction of the sea, could be the seduction of death itself. Um, but again, the whole film is about uh, like a, a sexual frustration and maybe um, like dealing with homosexual thoughts and tendencies that um, he's trying to subdue, uh, potentially. And obviously there's the murder of this guy. Um, and the fact is that we stay on this rock um, I mean, we, we never leave really. Like the opening shot, like the sea just kind of like comes into existence and then you see the lighthouse. So it's almost as if we've like entered this dream state anyway. It could be that, you know, we're Robert Pattinson, I mean, died and now we're opening ourselves up to like the, you know, the purgatory or something like that or the hell that is now this lighthouse that he's deemed to kind of ruin eternity to. Um or is it just that it's so it's just simple where Winslow's gone mad. He's just gone insane. And that's as simple as it is. Um I do think there's an element here where, you know, William Defoe himself says, like, maybe I'm just a figment of imagination, maybe this all is. And for me, I was like, it's breaking down the fourth wall a little bit because it's almost like the process of writing, isn't it? Like, of course this is a figment of someone's imagination, of course this isn't real. Um, so you are mad. You're almost the audience. Like Robert Pattinson is almost the audience kind of watching this and reacting to stuff and reacting to the images that are put in front of him. Um, and that's, that's kind of it. I don't think I've got any more, anything else, uh, much to say about it or what it, what it might mean. Um, I'd, if I was you, I'd look into like some of the mythology behind it. I'm really interested in what other people's ideas are. Um, again, I was thinking, is it, uh, these are other thoughts I'm just kind of going through that I noted down. Is it like man's relationship uh, with God? Because obviously William Defoe, it's a big beard. He looks a bit like Moses, doesn't he? And actually uh, Charlie Manson, <laughs> Charlton Heston um, in Ten Commandments. He's got that kind of look about him. Um, is he the sea himself? Uh, you know, that's driving, maybe Robert Pattinson's just um, on a boat and it's the sea that's driving him mad and he's just wishing for land or something like that. Um, and in fact, like, you know, putting all the coals and stuff in, is he working a steamboat? I don't know, like little things like that. I was just thinking, you know, what is it? What's, what's actually happening here? Um, in theory, yes, it's just a pressure cooker situation between two people, but I like the imagery of the sea as a seductress of death being seducing itself. That's what I think is quite key here. Um, and yeah, it could be that it's the fact that death and murder, uh, sorry, murder and sex and pleasure, um, the fact that it's all kind of getting mixed up is maybe him dealing with the fact that he enjoyed killing this guy and that he's been kind of seduced by it even further. Um, yeah, so it's all very interesting. So yeah, anyway, that's it. I'll be interested to hear what you guys think about it. Um, you can email us at newwinterpodcast.gmail.com. Twitter and uh, Instagram at a new winter. And yeah, sorry if I've uh, babbled on a bit here. Um, it's been kind of a stream of consciousness because I only just watched it. So it's just been running through my head and I needed to get this all out. Um, I might update it maybe with some more thoughts and comments because there's going to be um, the release soon where there might be like a director's commentary or something like that. And I'd be really interested to hear um, uh, more about what this could be and what people's interpretations of it might be. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening and see you on the next one. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.